When I was in high school, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I had a student pastor. His name was Anthony Breed. Anthony was a big dude. He played college football at the University of Baylor, Baptist school there in Texas. Big school, played with probably the most well-known athlete from my hometown, Houston, a guy named Mike Singletary. And those of you who grew up, uh, had a little age on you, you know Mike Singletary is probably bar none, one of the greatest, if not greatest middle linebackers to ever play professional football. Played for the Chicago Bears, a Hall of Famer. He played at the University of Baylor, and he played with my student pastor, Anthony Breed. And Anthony would tell these stories about how Mike Singletary just stood out above the rest of the players on the team. Like everyone knew there was something special about this guy. He said that there were there were very few off seasons or spring practices where a helmet wouldn't break, a face mask crack, a, a, a chin strap button pop off when Mike Singletary would collide with either a fullback who was trying to block him or, or when he was making a tackle, something would give. The equipment would fail because he just brought that kind of explosion and intensity. Everyone knew, like, this guy's playing at the next level. And not only is he going to play at the next level, he is going to succeed at the next level. It was just undeniable, his power, his explosion, his ability to play the game. You may have come across some people like that. Maybe you played high school ball or college ball with somebody who played at the next level. Maybe you were in class with some people who you knew their intellect was undeniable and they were going to go on to great things in, in medicine or engineering. Maybe it was somebody who could tickle the ivories who, or someone who could sing and you knew they were going to be professional at that area, because it was just undeniable. They had this skill about them that was, that was great. I think Jesus Christ was a lot like that. I think he, his power was absolutely undeniable. That when people saw him, they knew there was something about this guy. He was different than everybody else. I think it actually starts in Mark chapter one when Jesus gets baptized. I, I hate to go all the way back to the beginning, but I wanna show it to you. In Mark chapter one, he says this at the baptism of Jesus and starting in verse seven, it says, he was preaching, that's John the Baptist. He was preaching and he says, someone more powerful than I will come after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. John the Baptist, he realizes, hey, there are people that are coming and they are, they're seeing me and they think I'm something special. They actually probably thought he was Elijah or a prophet like Elijah, one of their Old Testament heroes. But John the Baptist says, hey, let's get clear here. There is somebody more powerful than me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And to verify that power, that undeniable power, it says this in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn apart. That's power. It's undeniable. The heavens are torn apart. I'm not sure what that looks like. It was prophesied in the Old Testament in books like uh, Isaiah and Zechariah that the heavens would be rent 
And, and the Messiah would, become, would come down. And then it says a spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, I know a dove doesn't necessarily embody power to you, but the Holy Spirit sure does. And then he says this, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. I take delight in you. I don't know if everyone heard that, that voice. I don't know if just Jesus heard it. But if you heard it, you would know there was something undeniable about Jesus Christ. And from that point forward, his public ministry would begin and his power would be manifest. Last week, we talked about the sovereignty of God and specifically the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, that he is the rightful ruler of the universe. And today, as we talk about his omnipotence, his power, the reason why he is sovereign is because of his power. And the reason of his power is because he is sovereign. If he's the rightful ruler, he has power. And in these first four or five chapters of the gospel of Mark, we've seen it. He has cast out demons. He has healed people. He's, he's made a, a hand stretch out. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law and taken away her fever. We've seen a man being lowered down into a house, a paralytic, and, and we've seen him pick up his mat and walk. We've seen a leper whose life was changed. We've seen demon after demon being cast out. And then more recently, we saw Jesus stand at the bow of the boat and say, peace be still. And the wind and the waves obeyed him. He has undeniable power. It's clear throughout the, the gospel. He has power over the spiritual realm because the demons listen to him. He has power over the physical realm as he is able to heal bodies. And he has power over the natural realm as he is able to say, peace be still and control the wind and the waves. It was undeniable. But there's something else in these first four chapters that jumps out. Not only was it an undeniable power, it was an unbelievable power, like astonishing. Look at these words in, in Mark chapter one, verse 27. After this demon was cast out in the middle of the synagogue, it says, then they were all amazed. So they began to argue with one another saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. They had never seen anything like it. They had never heard anything like it. And so they were amazed. They were astonished. They were questioning, where did this come from? This power is unbelievable. He goes on and says this in chapter two, verse 12, when the man picked up his mat and walked, you know, the guy that was lowered down through the roof. And everybody sees that this guy picks up his mat like he had done it a million times before and walked out like he knew exactly what he was doing. In chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Immediately he got up, picked up the mat, and went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This power was undeniable, but it was unbelievable. They were astounded. The word means shook. I mean, wouldn't you be shook? You just saw a man that was paralyzed from the neck down, get up and walk out. I mean, when you see that kind of power, what else do you do? It would be like watching Mike Singletary rip through a hole, tackle a line, a, a running back, and then the running back gets up and his face mask is broken. What are you gonna do? You're shook by that. It's power. We also see it in, in chapter four when, when Jesus calms the wind and the waves, look at verse 41 of, of chapter four. 
It says, and they, the guys in the boat with him, they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. They were terrified. I mean, they were, they were in such awe and reverence and fear of this power. Wouldn't you be? If you were to see Jesus with this undeniable, unbelievable power, it, it ought to give us some sort of awe and reverence for Jesus. Like this isn't just some wimpy man walking around. This is the guy who controls, who can cast out demons, who can make a withered hand come out, who can, who can calm the wind and the rain. They were terrified, awestruck, it says. With all of that, there's something else happening in these four chapters that I find absolutely amazing. You see, the power was undeniable. It was, it was unbelievable, but this is something else. It was unnoticed. I know it seems weird. How can something be undeniable and unbelievable and unnoticed? But that's exactly what's happening with the scribes and the Pharisees. Have you seen that in the text? That they are so concerned about everything else that they fail to see the enormity of Jesus' power. Let me show you a few places where it's just clear. They, they don't want to see it. In, in Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 28, or excuse me, not 128, uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 7, he says this. The scribes and Pharisees say, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're saying, why? Why does he speak like this? Let me get this straight. This guy's casting out demons. This guy is healing lepers. And you want to know why he's talking the way he's talking. I think their focus is on the wrong thing. Or, or what about chapter 2, verse 16? They say, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Just the story before he made a, a man who was paralyzed from the neck down get up and walk, and now you're concerned with who he's eating with? Give me a break. You're missing his power. Or what about in chapter 2, verse 18? says, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, why do John's disciples and Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples, they don't fast? Why don't they do that? Listen, <laughs> the disciples of Jesus can fast whenever they want. This guy can calm the wind and the rain. Why are you worried about when he eats and when he doesn't? It's amazing, completely missing his power. Or maybe in chapter 2, verse 24, they say this, look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Worried about healing people on the Sabbath. Or, or chapter 3, verse 6, immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Jesus just made a withered hand come back to life and now they want to plot against him. They are missing his power. And when they finally do give him credit for power, chapter 3, 22 says, he has Beelzebul in him, they say. He drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. Can you believe that? 
I mean, they're completely missing the undeniable, unbelievable, all-powerful Jesus Christ right in front of them. His power goes unnoticed. I wonder if in the throes of all that has happened in this last year, if we have missed the power of Jesus Christ. I, I, I just wonder. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to distract us. He's trying to take our eyes off of God. And boy, this last 10, 11 months, it's been a lot of distraction, hasn't it? I mean, we have been caught up with elections. We have been caught up with a pandemic. We have been worried about when our kids go to school and e-learning and social distancing. We worried about if football was gonna take place and thank goodness football took place. I mean, we have had so much to distract us on top of Netflix and phones and the internet and jobs and the rigors of everyday life. I mean, this has been the year of all distractions. And I just wonder if in the midst of it, Jesus and his power has gone completely unnoticed. I just wonder. I mean, don't get me wrong. This happens to me all the time. It's happened to me nearly every Wednesday night when the Beachwood Middle School team plays. I got a son, he's an eighth grader, he plays on that team, he, he runs tight in, and every once in a while they put him in the slot as a receiver, and this is how it goes. Soon as he goes in, I'm watching number 36, and I'm zeroed in on him. I'm watching him block, I'm watching him run his route, I'm watching if he gets the ball. And sometimes something will happen in the backfield, quarterback will get sacked, Maybe he'll throw a long pass and it'll go for a big gain or maybe even a touchdown. And I'll look at my wife and I'll say, what happened? And she'll explain it to me. And at first she was like, why did you miss that? And I said, well, I'm only watching Caleb. I I missed everything else because I was so zoned in on my son. I wanted to see how he did. I I wonder if that's what we've done with the election, the pandemic, e-learning all of this other stuff that we are so zoned in that we have missed the power of Christ. It's gone unnoticed. I don't know. I I, I find myself so easily distracted. And this year, it has been one for the ages, hasn't it? Has the power of Jesus Christ gone, gone unnoticed in your life? Has it, has it just gone as something that just is off to the side? Or have you seen where Christ is moving? I had to be reminded this week at a lunch. But somebody, a couple of guys that, that I look up to looked at me and said, man, Christ has been moving. God has been moving. He's been doing good things. They reminded me of the baptisms that have taken place in the middle of the pandemic. Lives have been changed. People have been surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. And I just get so caught up in some other stuff that I was missing. Yes, these people's lives have been changed. They have given their their life. They have bowed their knee to Jesus Christ. Salvation has occurred. Here at Lexington this Sunday, we're, we're dedicating little babies, these families who are coming and saying, we want to raise our children to honor Jesus, that's, that's a great thing to celebrate. 
as they are recognizing we need the power of Christ to raise these precious gifts of God to, to honor him. The power of Jesus as marriages have been restored and people are coming back to God and wanting to, to be in small group and relationship and to be mentored. God has been moving. Jesus has been moving. And I don't want it to go unnoticed. Has it gone unnoticed for you? Because his power is unbelievable. It is undeniable. And I don't want to be a scribe or a Pharisee where it goes unnoticed. One more thing. As I look at these four chapters, I see something else. I see the power of Jesus brings unbridled hope. Maybe you need to hear this. I want you to listen to what it does. It brings hope. Let me show it to you in these chapters. Look at chapter one, verse 28. It says, news about him then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. People were talking about it. They talked about, he just cast a demon out of a man in the middle of the synagogue and people started talking. And then look at what happens in verse, or chapter one, verse 33. It says, the whole town, the whole town was assembled at the door. Jesus is in there and now people are flocking to him. They want a glimpse of his power. They want a glimpse of his authority. They want to see this undeniable, unbelievable power. Or what about verse 37? It says, they found him and said, everyone's looking for you. Jesus woke up early that morning. He was trying to pray and the disciples run up to him and said, everyone's looking for you. They want your power. What about this? Chapter two, verse three, they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof. The crowd was so intense. They had to pull the roof out. Why? The crowd wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to be healed. They wanted a demon cast out. What about this? Chapter three, verse 10. It says, since he healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Can you imagine this crowd pressing around Jesus just to touch him, just to get a glimpse of his power, hoping it would be transferred through his robe? What about chapter three, verse 20? Then he went home and a crowd gathered again so that they were not even, even able to eat. It was so much of a crowd that they couldn't even have a meal. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I have no doubt that there were these crowds are going to build. And for many of them, they're just there to see a show. But I think in these early days of Jesus' ministry, if you had leprosy, Jesus represented hope. His power represented life change. If you were paralyzed, if you had a, a, a withered hand, if you had a family member with a demon in them, if you had any of that going on, Jesus represented hope. His power was hopeful. And they came in droves to be changed by his all-powerful authority. Do you come to Jesus for change? Because I believe he is still in that business. 
I'm going to butcher this quote by A.W. Tozer, but he said something along these lines. As He said, whatever Jesus did in the past, he can do again. And whatever Jesus did for someone, he can do for you. And wherever Jesus did it, he can do it here. That's hopeful. And Jesus has power. And these people were coming from all over to have their life changed. Can you imagine bringing your dad just to touch Jesus, maybe to have leprosy cleansed? Can you imagine bringing your son so that the fever would go away? Could you imagine bringing your mom or your neighbor or maybe just trying to limp yourself to Christ so that he would heal you? Let me tell you, I think Jesus has power and his power is still at work today. And for many of us, the last 10 months maybe has robbed your hope. Maybe this pandemic has exposed the gap in your marriage and you feel hopeless. Maybe this has, has exposed the gap in your family and there's tension with you and your children. Maybe it's, it's drawn out something in your character and your personality and you feel distant from God. Maybe it's, it's created hopelessness in you because elections and the talk of elections and pandemics and as people forecast the future, maybe that has you hopeless. And let me be clear. Jesus Christ is the sovereign ruler of the universe and he's the rightful ruler and he has power. And so today, I just want you to know that so that you can have hope. If your marriage is in a ditch, there's hope. If your family's struggling, there's hope. If you feel distant from God, that's exactly why Jesus came to close the gap so that you can have right relationship with the Father. And today, we want you to experience that. I, I can't imagine walking out onto a football field and sharing the same jersey with a player like Mike Singletary. It would have had to instill confidence, right? If I were a Baylor Bear and, and Mike Singletary was my middle linebacker, the quarterback of the defense, I would have to feel like we had a pretty good chance of winning that day. It ought to instill confidence. Same thing with the 12 men that followed Jesus around. You'd have to kind of have your chest out, chin up, just a tad knowing I'm walking around with a guy that can tell the wind and waves to obey him. I'm walking around with a guy that can tell paralyzed folks that they can stand up and walk. It ought to instill confidence, not hopelessness. So today we want you to be confident. We want you to know that there is a hope of Jesus Christ and that you can have confidence that your marriage can be restored or that the relationship with your kids can be reconciled or that this, this gap that you might have between you and God can be healed, that the things that you're feeling, that there is hope for that. Matter of fact, Paul says it 
in Ephesians chapter 1 as the ultimate power. Jesus Christ comes in his death, burial, and resurrection. He says this in Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you know what is the hope of his calling. What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? That's us. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength? If we thought healing and casting out demons and telling storms to stop was cool, the greatest power of Jesus Christ was when he submitted himself to death on a cross and three days later rose up out of the grave. And the power doesn't end there. One day Jesus is going to return and it will be undeniable and it will be unbelievable and it will be noticed by everyone and the hope of Christ will be seen and felt. Do you have the confidence of Jesus' power today? Do you have hope in him? I want you to have hope. I want you to have confidence. And so if you're feeling hopeless, we want to help. We want to pray with you. We would love to get resources to you so that you could find that hope in Jesus Christ. Fill out that connect card online. Let us know we want to partner with you so that you can be confident in the power of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I cannot imagine what it was like to watch you move and to work, to cast out demons, to heal people, to, to feed thousands, to calm nature, and to do it in such a nonchalant fashion because you are all powerful. And then in all of that, to see you submit yourself to the powers of this world like Pilate and Herod and to be beaten and crucified and for your dead body to be put in a tomb. And I can only imagine the power with which you got out of the grave three days later. And all of this amazing language of what it's gonna be like when you return, Jesus Christ, you are all powerful. You are all powerful. Because of that, we can have confidence. You will never leave us or forsake us. You wanna draw near to us. You have given us this, this strength, this power by putting your Holy Spirit inside of us. So Lord, I, I pray for us at Radius Church that we would tap into that power. We would ask for prayer. We would have confidence to, to say, I need help. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to reach out. Help us to tap in to your power. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.